0: Welcome, Hoosier fans, to a frustrated episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers lost to the Northwestern Wildcats by a final score of 74-67 to uh, in a game that featured another really slow start from this team, with down nine at halftime, featured another furious comeback to start the second half from this team, uh, and they eventually took a four-point lead at 54-50. That was followed by a nine-zero Northwestern run, and IU never, uh, never was able to tie the game at that point. Uh, the last lead for IU was at the uh, about the eight forty-five uh, mark, um, and y- you know it was a uh, it was a really disappointing performance on a variety of levels. There's a number of different directions we'll go. You had another strong performance from Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson played really well in the second half. Armon Franklin um, scored well, uh, but in the end, you just had had defensive lapses um, that we hadn't really been accustomed to. There was a stretch in the middle of the first half when Northwestern scored almost every time they had the ball. And during that key run, IU struggled to get stops again as as Chase Audige caught fire late in the game. But even prior to that, IU um, you know had defensive lapses. And then on offense, uh, just felt a similar story, just not enough urgency at key times really throughout the game of, you know, just getting the ball up the court quickly, getting into the offense quickly, trying to get the ball inside to Trace Jackson Davis. That was really where IU had success in the second half, and and the the final possession, quite frankly, or the final possession that mattered, uh, was somewhat emblematic. IU's down five, really needed to get a shot up, and weren't all that quick in getting the ball up the court, and dribbled side to side for about eight seconds before dribbling it off. Uh, you know, Al dribbles off his foot, and IU loses the ball. They foul again. Northwestern makes two more free throws, and it's a it's a seven point loss. It was just a, a really disappointing performance. They really allowed Northwestern to get a lot of confidence early, uh, and that really um, you know they bounced back when IU made a couple runs at them in the second half. And uh, Northwestern uh, now two and zero in the league with wins over Michigan State and on the road at IU. So maybe they're better than we think they are. But I think no matter what the where the season goes for Northwestern. Uh, this was a really disappointing performance from this IU team, given the circumstances, uh, and and the play of of uh, the guard play uh, in general, quite frankly, and uh, and, and it was just a, a really disappointing start to the Big Ten season. But uh, we will start. Uh, I'm your host Andy Bottoms. And I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Chris Williams, aka IU Artifacts. And we'll break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. We'll start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Uh, the banner moment certainly didn't come in the first half. Uh, I I think it was really the the run to begin the second half. IU turned the ball over on its first possession, but then scored on the next four uh, for, you know, made an 8-0 run right out of the gate, forced turnovers on four—no, five of the first six— Uh, Northwestern possessions and really got themselves back in the game. Uh, That run was punctuated by a couple dunks from uh, Trace Jackson Davis, including one in transition uh, that led to a Northwestern timeout. IU had some chances even after that where they were, you know, could have cut further into the lead, had a couple turnovers. And it was, you know, even in good moments, IU couldn't fully take advantage of things when the momentum started to go their way. But that was a stretch that the defense really ratcheted up and looked like the defense that we'd seen over the course of the, the first uh, seven games of the season really put pressure on Northwestern, forced them into mistakes and, did a much better job offensively of getting the ball inside and getting into a little bit of rhythm, and so that run to start the half set the stage for IU to be in the game and eventually take the lead. Uh, but as I mentioned at the top, that was not enough uh, tonight, as we uh, as the Hoosiers lost the game seventy-four to sixty-seven. Uh, the Banner Moment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their fourth season of sponsoring the assembly call. With winter here and hoodie weather officially now arrived, you need to make your way over to their website, homefieldapparel.com. They have something unique for everyone on your shopping list, especially IU fans, and all of their apparel is printed on the softest, most comfortable, most washable materials you'll find anywhere. In fact, today they rolled out a few new limited edition IU designs, including the uh the polarizing oval uh the not polarizing at all uh drop shadow <laughs> logo and uh also an leo shirt for the football team so i know many uh Hoosier fans logged on this morning and picked up those items in addition to all the other schools that they carry but uh some great new iu designs out uh this week but remember, it's not just IU gear. If you have anyone on your gift list that went to another school, Home Field may well have gear for them as well. They serve fans from Akron to Xavier, Hawaii to Pitt, and from Hope College to the Colorado School of Mines. Their designs are so unique, interesting, and vintage that you may end up like me, buying shirts and hoodies for schools you've barely heard of just because you like the design. And you can always save on home field, on your home field order by using the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout. It'll give you 20% off your entire order throughout the year. So go to homefieldapparel.com, load up your shopping cart, and enter ASSEMBLY20 at checkout to get 20% off. That's homefieldapparel.com. All right, it's time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Uh, I know from talking to Ryan before the show that he is uh, at a – uh, working his way up from a simmer to a boil, I believe, at this point. So, uh, Ryan, I don't believe it will be all that difficult for you to uh, come up with a rant for uh, for after this game.
1: Uh, I apologize that Chris is going to have to follow this. Um, look, Indiana's guards it, it need to show up. And Armand Franklin scored points. He was 6 of 15. I thought he was pretty awful offensively in the first half, but at least he was trying to do something. Al Durham and Rob Finnessy, did nothing all night, and the thing that drove me nuts, and and I'm going to blame Archie Miller here, why was Al Durham bringing the ball up when on four straight possessions, he walked the ball or slow jogged the ball up the court, got across half court, stood dead in the middle of the floor, and just stood there waiting for something to happen, waiting for somebody else to come get the ball or somebody to move, and it would be 10 seconds of just standing there not getting into the offense, and it's like You know, you're in a game where Northwestern crosses half court and knows exactly what they're running and everybody's running it and cutting it and finding it. And they may not be a super talented team. They can hit shots, but they know what they're running every time across half court. And it seemed like Al Durham and Rob Finnessy would both come across half court and then be like, all right, what are we running? Somebody going to relay something from the bench or are we a point guard is supposed to know what you're running. And he's supposed to sometimes just call out a play and start the offense. And instead they would be standing around waiting for somebody else to do something. It's like, you're both captains. You're both veterans. One of you is a senior, one of you is a junior, and you've played your entire career. It's not like these guys are new, you know, and they're just standing there waiting for somebody else to do something. It's almost like, Hey, you know what, trace, come out and get the ball. You run things because you're the only one who seems to know what to do out here. And I'll blame Archie Miller. As much as anybody, because there is never a reason Al Durham should be running point and let. OK, I'll, I'll amend that unless everybody else is in foul trouble and is sitting on the bench. Al Durham should not be running point. That's not where he's good. That's not where he's ever been good. He gets his points off the wing. And so and then Rob Finnessy, we know what he is at this point. He walks the ball up the court. He stands there. There's three minutes left in this game. And Rob is standing at the top, just dribbling in, in with nothing going on. And it's like, you're behind, you need to have some urgency to get something done. And that last possession that you mentioned, Andy, is a perfect example of just where, where are you trying to go with that ball? Like, what, what is your plan here? And it's just to sit there. And I, I, I don't get it. And I don't get why Archie Miller in that stretch where they give up a nine Oh run and Al was bringing the ball up every single time. After the second possession where Al just stood, you know, 10 feet behind the three point line and dribbled, why did he not call a timeout? Why did he not pull Al out? Maybe, maybe even a timeout to be like, hey, this is what I want you to do. Let's do it. Or a timeout to pull him out, let him sit for a second, or move him off the ball. Like there's an obvious problem here, and you're not solving it. And it's just, And I don't even know who he'd replace him with, but I would say at least put Armand Franklin with the ball. At least he seems to cut hard and drive hard and do things. And I think Armand has his own issues, but at least you feel like the ball is doing something when he has it. Trey Galloway does more with the ball than our veteran guards. And he's been here, what, like six weeks, it feels like. So it's just insane that we're at this point with these guards who we've been waiting to get better for three and four years and they have improved and, and especially Al Durham has improved incrementally. But the one thing, what was the one thing we said last year? We never wanted to see again. Al bringing the ball up ever. Archie Miller has watched that film repeatedly. I know he has, and he's just doing it again. And it's, it's crazy. And the guards lost this game for Indiana. I, they guard well, uh, mo- for the most part, they guarded well. And Northwestern hit a lot of uh, contested shots and, put IU in some bad situations and ran their offense well. I don't care about the defense. I really don't. You gave up 74 points. I think that's too much to Northwestern, but I think that, you know, Adige hit some ridiculous shots at the end to to raise that total a lot that were well covered. I don't care about the defense. The offense was pathetic, and these guys are the ones running the offense. They have to be better than that. Northwestern is not a game you can lose. I don't care how, how much better they are than we thought. This is not a game you can lose at home. And, it, and look that bad. And it was so bad. The team had 16 turnovers. And a lot of those were other guys turning the ball over, trying to make something happen because those guards wouldn't direct traffic. It was awful. And you know what? I'm sick of watching it. It has been years of this. I'm tired of it, guys. I'm exhausted. I was yawning through this game because I'm so tired of it. So, Archie, figure it out. That's it. Figure it out. This is, these are the guys you have to deal with. They may not be who you want. They're the guys you have to deal with. And you know what? There's plenty of coaches in America who do not have the perfect players playing for them and make it work, make it happen.
0: All right, Chris. Well, uh, we always appreciate you you hopping on. I know Jared and Coach have some holiday plans uh, this evening that hopefully did not include watching this game. But I know from uh, our text that they at least were catching bits and pieces. So, welcome, uh, as always, Chris, and uh, and feel free to share your thoughts on uh, on IU seventy four sixty seven lost to Northwestern on the heels of uh, of that fine intro to the show.
2: Yeah, following Ryan is going to be uh, that's going to be. Interesting, because he, I said, and he said everything. I sincerely no, apologize. No, no I, he said exactly what we're all feeling. I've, I, you know, you look at the stat lines, and you see Fennessey and Durham combined for six points. And it is pathetic. And I think that dribble off of Al's foot at the end of the game just kind of solidified what we saw in this game. I, I think the biggest thing that's 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 standing out to me is no sense of urgency from this team to play. with it, Without – Trace getting in somebody's face without Trace, you know, saying, give me the effing ball, which everybody saw on national television, very clearly it, it's, it's two guys, maybe one or two guys that really care. And you could saw, you see the last three to four possessions of the game. They're bringing up the ball slow. They're passing it around. They're down five points, seven points. And we're just, we're just running. There's nothing, there's no sense of urgency. There's nothing going on. And I just, you know i i don't get it i don't understand why why we continue to see this like you said you know it's it's frustrating that we're here in year 4 and we're seeing the same stuff we saw and again this was supposed to be the year where it's supposed to be a team that's supposed to be meshing well the three guys that were clearly the the issues last year were gone now okay we all know who those people are so here we are and we're bringing in you know a guy like christian lander what does he do he doesn't play what Six minutes of the game, eight minutes of the game. He has a three pointer and then he gets pulled. He has a personal foul and then we don't see him. You know, I, I, if Alan and Rob are not cutting it, why aren't we seeing more in Lander? That's the big thing for me right now is why aren't we seeing Lander more? But on top of that, you know, it, the turnovers are ridiculous. Unfortunately, Trace leaves us, leads us, I think he had five turnovers for the game. But yeah, he, that's had a couple pretty,
1: deflect, he had a couple deflected balls. Yeah, I
2: mean, passes. you know, you know what it's going to happen when he gets the ball. It's going to be a double down every single time. We saw it when Jawan Morgan had the ball a couple of years ago. They doubled down every single time because we have no one who can catch and shoot the ball consistently. That's it, and that's what it comes down to. It's the same stuff we're dealing with year after year after year. We need outside shooters that can catch the ball and shoot when we have our best player getting doubled down every single time down low. And until that happens, until we see it consistently, and it cannot be once a year when, when Armand goes off a Bankers Life Fieldhouse or whatever it is called now, and it may be that. So, but that, it can't just be that. It has to be that we see it consistently. Rob's not looking to shoot out. I mean, had one, what, one or two open shots. I mean, Galloway, I mean, You know, he's not releasing the ball with any quickness, but hell, he hit two in the corner and he played as well as anybody did outside of trace or maybe race today, in my opinion. So it's just the same stuff. Just kind of piggybacking on what you're saying. The same stuff we're dealing with in year four. And it's just getting frustrating.
0: Yeah, so. I think the guard play is the obvious place to start um, as you guys. Both, oh, we can
1: start there. Yeah, we can he, start there.
0: Yeah. Well, you, you know, we do like to hit the most important storylines. We already have started there, but I guess, you know, to put some statistics to it, and I, I think you guys both alluded to this. So between Al and Rob, they played 59 minutes of game action. I'm going to do math on the fly so this could get dangerous. Uh, 59 minutes of action. They scored six points on one of nine shooting, 0 for 5 from, on threes. They were 4 of 6 on the free throw line, had three rebounds, Four assists and two turnovers and two steals. Um, I, I I don't you know like Ryan said I don't really understand why Al was was running point at, at at during long stretches of the game, and and Rob continues to really you know they run these handoffs but he continues to struggle to really turn the corner and get going toward the basket and I think AJ Guyton talked about this too much side to side. Uh, as you went, and I think that speaks. Nobody's to, going north and south. Speaks to the like, sense of urgency. Franklin is the only guy in Galloway and in Galloway who get the ball on the perimeter and really make a point to attack the basket. And I thought Trace actually did a fairly good job with that. He got more of his points on those kinds of plays than he did on true post ups He got some on putbacks as well, but th- there's just nobody that really attacks the basket. And what's funny is, you know, Al did that early in the game. I think he got two fouls on Audige within the first three minutes of the game, and you kind of felt like that aggressiveness would continue and it just continued to wane uh and and you and then you put that against lander and i know exactly what ryan's going to say here uh and he's and he's not wrong um you know lander does hit the three in the corner he got he got abused on defense while he was on the court you know bad closeout. guy stepped in for a three let a guy drive him then fouled the guy on a, a putback where he was you know, not really his guy, you know, trying to block out a much bigger guy standing on the baseline, puts it back in there, but yeah, you know, and you make the foul and and all that's true. I think the challenge is that at some point, if you want this team to do anything above and beyond what they've done in the past, because I, you know, this team can play better than it did tonight, but they're not going to challenge for a big 10, big 10 title uh, based on what we've seen against the better teams that I use played this year. So at some point, Lander played, I think he only played the three minutes he played in the first half and that was it. And I'm not going to sit yeah, exactly. here and say he played great defense. It's ultimately the same argument we had in the Butler game. He has his deficiencies, but you look at what this team lacks in terms of somebody who is willing to drive to the basket and... and some semblance of sense of urgency, a guy who's going to run up the floor, get him into something. Now he may not be able to do that in long stretches, but the problem is right now we're eight games into the season and we have no idea whether he can do that because he's not being given opportunities to do that. That's my issue. You, you can. So Ryan, I'll throw this to you and we can beat on the defense. And it wasn't good, uh, but when the alternative is those numbers that I, I rattled off between Al and Rob, I don't know how in the world you don't give him a few minutes here and there. And I'd ma- even potentially make the same argument for Anthony Leal of needing somebody who can step in and shoot the ball. Now, if he's going to go out there and turn down open shots, then I don't see how you play him. He's going to have issues on defense. But uh, again, I mean, if somebody could make shots from the outside, they're there for the taking. They're not contested shots. And you just, you know, two guys who are in their third and fourth years with the program just haven't taken the steps this year that you would, you would think they'd take. So that's where to me, you know, give me 10 minutes of Lander. And if he gives up 15 points, then we can have a different conversation. But I really struggle with not playing him assume some kind of comfort level with the play that you're already
3: getting.
1: Yeah, and look, let me say this about Lander, and this is this is what my argument is gonna be, and, and it won't be that strong though after what we just saw. It was very strong in the first half. He came in, first thing that happened was, and I'm sure they were directed to do this, they're doing this against Galloway, and they're doing this against Hunter. They drove him right to the basket. And opposing teams, watch film, they know they're going right after these guys. First possession down. Guy drove Lander, laid it up and in. No, no absolutely it was a turnstile. Second possession, he closed out too hard on a three. Guy pump faked him and shot a mid-range jumper. And Lander went flying into the stands, essentially. or went flying into the bench, basically. And then the third possession, uh, he got stuck underneath the hoop. And I think it was Ryan Young who who got the rebound. And Lander was basically standing directly under the hoop. And in that case, if that guy has a layup from that spot, is, is right in front of you and has a layup from that spot, let him have the layup. Do not at give him a three-point play, and Lander fouled him. And it was just, okay, well, they didn't do anything on offensively in those three possessions. He gave up a 7-0 run by himself. Now, if you're Archie and your whole thing is building this team from the defense out, you're going to be upset by that. And I get it. The problem is, and then Lander did hit a three from the corner. It didn't really do anything else offensively in his three minutes. It wasn't a whole lot of playing time. The flip side of that is, in the middle of the second half, when Indiana is rolling and then runs into a rut where they're not doing anything offensively, yeah, maybe you bring your five-star freshman in. And I think that you ha- everyone has to understand about Christian Lander is that he should be in high school right now. And so he's going to have massive growing pains. And, and nobody should expect that. This is a guy who was supposed to come in to be the savior of Indiana season. That was never the plan. He came in early to get in a strength and conditioning program because he was so undersized that if he came in without bulking up next year as a freshman, there was a chance he wasn't going to be able to jump to the next level, which is his plan all along. And so he came in for that and then to get to get, you know, experience against better competition and potentially be playing, you know, significant minutes as the season went along, he didn't come in to step in and be the starting point guard. That was never or, or even, you know, a heavily a heavy minutes guy it was never part of the plan. The problem now, though, is is that those two guys you were really hoping would take a step forward this year haven't. And the next guy in the road, the next guys in the rotation are two freshmen. And there were times where Galloway looked really good tonight, moving the ball around and driving in and being aggressive in the first half. There were times where he looked really bad. And made a couple of really, really bad turnovers on early possessions where he passed the ball to nobody. But that's the thing is that that's the thing about freshmen. Even when they play well, they make mistakes, you know. And so, if you're Archie right now and you're looking at, we just lost Northwestern riding with our veterans. Okay, well, and and looked the way we did. What do I do? Like, what? What? I mean, do I have to now give Lander who's going to get beat like a? Uh, a drum defensively for a while. It's going to take him a while to figure out defensively. It just is. And, and right now he's playing de- defense like Devonte green used to play defense, you know, where he'd fall for every pump fake fly by people, not guard, you know, it, it just, it's bad. And that's because he's never had to do it before. But or if you're Archie, do you say, okay, forget it. I'm giving him 20 minutes on the floor to see what he can do and just accept it. If you're going to lose, I mean, and, and, and get beat badly. That's the decision you have to make I this is why I'm glad I'm not a, a, a coach because these are decisions you have to make and you know you've got two captains out there who aren't playing like leaders and, and you have to figure it out and and I, I don't know what to do. I, if I'm glad I'm not in that position because Lander is clearly not ready for this level of competition yet but neither are your starting guards. so what do you do? And, and and I don't know the answer I truly truly don't I get the push for people wanting Lander but understand what you'll be getting you'll be getting a guy who is not ready for this level of competition yet and you're going to go travel to Illinois next you know I mean is he going to guard IO is he going to be on the perimeter being able to do that
0: no um you know I think I think Lander is playing so few minutes that that's where the issue is. It, it isn't. I, I don't think anybody's advocating for him to go play 25 or 30 minutes a game. I'm certainly not. But I but he's got to get more than three or four, which is what he's gotten in these last couple games. And
1: yeah, that's a fair argument.
0: And somewhere in the middle is like this. This guy needs to be able to learn in 10 minute increments, even if you put him in five minutes a half. I, I don't know what the right you know, again, we can argue the right number. But I don't think anybody wants it to go from you played three minutes to you're going to go start and play 30 right now. But if you think he's going to grow into the role that that you might have hoped he could have by the end of the season, I don't see how this is getting him there. Again, it's easy to make the argument that he doesn't need to play a ton if the guys in front of him are playing well, but they're not. Um, And that's ultimately where the the challenge comes in. So the other thing I wanted to talk about was just another slow start. Uh, from the team. They, they defensively played f- fairly well right out of the gate. Um, forced a few turnovers. Northwestern only scored on one of their first six possessions, but IU didn't do a whole was lot this, to score then either.
1: 80, um, was this the second game where they kind of played okay right off the tip? And then just lost it for ten minutes or, or uh, seven. Uh, minutes? That or sounds
0: right. I'm I'm flipping that back. Feels here. like what happened. Yeah, I, I would say I would say generally that that seems true as I look back in these couple games. Yeah, they played okay. The kind of the first TV timeout, and then there was a long stretch where they just. I mean, Northwestern got the ball wherever they wanted. Part of that was really spreading the floor. Part of that was clearly picking out matchups, as you talked about what they would do with Lander. There are certain guys you knew they were going to drive, and they've got the shooters to make that an effective. Uh, you know, an effective way to attack things, and then again, second half flips. These guys come out of the locker room like a house of fire, and and get themselves back in the game. And you're left wondering again, just as you were in the Butler game, where was this to start the game? Why is this a consistent pattern? So, um, Chris, I'll ask you the question that probably none of us are in a position to answer, but is there anything that you attribute that to, or that is you, you watch these guys, but it is, I mean, it is night and day start of the game versus whatever. And, and I'm, it, it, I don't know if it's just taking them getting lit up at halftime of every game, which at a certain point is going to lose its luster and not going to work. But um, that's the other theme. That's really starting to emerge with this team.
2: You know, they get four quick fouls against Northwestern. They go to the free throw line and then we start off, one for six and then two for seven for the line. I think that's the big thing is that we're so good. We're like top 20 in the nation or top 30 in the nation, Kim Palm of getting to the foul line, but our conversion is still 65%, 67%. So that's still, you know, coming out early and getting those fouls. You think the momentum, I think Adige had two quick ones. And then um, the big Ryan, I can't think of his last name, the big white guy for- Young. Yeah, Young, thank you. Uh, He got in a foul. He got a couple or one quick foul, but again- you know, I, I look at it from two different ways. One, you know, we seemed to be lost when they were running that. And it, it, we knew what they were going to do. It's a traditional Princeton offense. It's a switch in a backcourt every single time. And then if you have nothing there, the, the, the man runs, rolls around and there's a kickout. And they weren't hitting a lot of their threes to start, but they got in that rhythm the same way they did against Michigan State. My big thing is that, you know, I think – I brought this up in, you know, thinking about this last game – Joey Brunk not being there is a huge concern. We don't have the size. We can't play trace and race for 40 minutes of the game. And when we don't have the ability to have that other big man against a traditional low post player that we saw against Butler and Northwestern, it's a huge concern. And, folks, Brunk's not going to play this year. It's not going to happen. You know, everybody's kind of hoping – you know, Archie says, well, we're going to – no, his back is messed up right now, and he's probably going to have surgery, and he's probably not going to play this year. Because they're saying the earliest is February. But even then, he's not going to be in condition to play the rest of the year. So, Brunk's Even if he's healthy,
1: it's going to – he may not play this
2: year. it's not going to be. So, hopefully, he'll come back and and use the red shirt that they can get this year and come back for another year. But the problem – from the start is, again, it's the same thing that's plagued this year, last year, and some in the past, is that the slow starts, not getting shots to fall, we kind of get in this rut. And again, like you said, we something happens at halftime, whether it's Trey's taking charge or Archie, you know, coming to Jesus' talk with the team. Something happens, but then we can't sustain the momentum. It happens every single game where we go on this roll. The good thing about us with Butler is that they didn't have two of their good players playing. And that part of the reason is they weren't hitting shots and we were converting. But Trace can't do everything. And again, the one thing I saw is the same thing I saw in the early 2000s with Bracey Wright and Marshall Strickland was you saw the passing around the perimeter, a stagnant offense, and then nothing happens. And if a trace doesn't get the ball and make something happen or get fouled, then there's we have somebody like Al trying to create something, going in a guy against a guy six inches taller than him, trying to draw a foul, and nothing happens. And then it's a turnover or it's a quick transition bucket, and we saw so much at the end of the first half and in the second half, it's just not sustainable. So I don't know what to say about you know the lander thing yeah he's he's going to need some more minutes but he's not going to be playing 30 minutes a game but something has to happen to where these because again you know we go to Illinois if we're down 15 to 4 to start the game It's not going to come back. We're not going to be able to sustain that with the talent that they have. And I thought that we were, if when we came back in the second half, you know, we we had five possessions or no five possessions with only four turnovers Northwestern had and no points to start the second half. That's not going to happen every game. We're not going to be able to, and honestly, for IU fans, we're not going to be able to do this every game where we're down 10 to 12 points at a half and hope that okay, somebody got mad at, in the locker room. Yeah, someone flat, and, yeah, on the yes,
1: other end too. Yes,
2: exactly. So that's I, – I don't have an answer for it because it's the same stuff we've seen the last couple of years. And, you know, sometimes it works out in our favor. But, again, we don't have enough shooters to, to will us back to, uh, you know, down seven, down ten, game after game. We just don't have it, and we we haven't seen that.
1: Yeah, and I also – like I, I want to mention two things. Uh, one on the Lander debate, because we're we're so into the guards now, we've got to bring this up. In a normal year with a regular non-conference schedule, you probably get the chance to run Christian Lander out there for a lot of minutes before you get to this point of the season. You didn't have that this year. Now, here's the thing. Everybody else didn't have that with their young guys either, and so you got to adjust, just like every other coach is doing, every other program is doing. But I think that that's partially why, Some of the freshmen are going to play less this year because they didn't have seven games against lower tier competition or whatever it is, five games against lower tier competition where they got to get out and run and play and run the offense and feel comfortable on the college floor. And the other thing that I think we need to mention is the fact that with no crowd at Assembly Hall, there is no chance for the crowd to lift these guys in the second half when they do hit that lull, as you've discussed. Just the noisemakers
2: that they had. They, yeah, I mean they, they give the parents these noisemakers to try to get some noise, and you something. can tell Archie kind of do this. It, yeah. It's a huge,
1: it's a huge disadvantage, absolutely. And, and and that's the thing is there were times where even in a run, Indiana would make a play, and normally it would send the crowd into a fear, and maybe you run a more pumped up, focused offense the next time down, and it didn't happen, and then Northwestern would come right back down and, and score, and it was especially in that 9-0 run. And so there are things that everybody's adjusting to and again every school in the country's got to deal with that. I know assembly hall is a, has this mystique of being able to lift the team at times but every school in the country's dealing with that. So figure out a way to deal with it. You know, you've got to figure out a way to deal with it and 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 adjust and adjust what you're doing. This isn't a normal year. These aren't normal circumstances. You're going to have to you know, make do with what you got and 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 make the best of it.
0: All right, well, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 74-67 loss to Northwestern, I'll point out today's meaningful moment you might have missed, and then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. If you're listening to The Assembly Call, stick with us.
3: Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. Hey, guys, it's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know, I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon.
0: And welcome back. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and Chris Williams, and we're breaking down Indiana's 74-67 loss to Northwestern. Uh, it's time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed, and figured I could just use this to highlight a couple uh, a couple stretches. Um, you know, I, I think there there were a couple key moments where things seemed to turn. Um, there were, or or just plays that I kind of put a pin in to say you know, if we look back, what could happen here? And it was plays when IU had the momentum and then they kind of let Northwestern get it back a bit. Uh, Toward the end of the first half, IU had made a a bit of a run there to cut it to 35 to 28. Armand took a long two and missed. Uh, IU goes on to go go on and give up a layup, pushes it back to nine, which is what it would stay at halftime. Uh, And then even in the beginning of the second half, IU played well at the beginning, as I mentioned, but then you had, you know, coming off of that, 8-0 8-0 run to start the half. Uh, Northwestern had a turnover. IU gets the ball. Trace tries to throw a lob to race that really ended up probably being counted as a shot because it hit off the rim uh, and rolled around the rim, but essentially a turnover there. Then you know Northwestern turns the ball over again. IU has the ball back. Armand traveled, I believe, in the corner. Uh, Northwestern misses inside again. So again, you've got another chance to get the momentum. Al takes a, a bad three in the corner. Uh, Northwestern ends up making one on the other end. Then. TJD turns it over in the next possession, and you you had a you know four-possession empty stretch there that really could have allowed you uh, to get that momentum, and then similarly, Race makes two free throws to put IU up 54-50, to 50, give up a layup right away, Armand misses the jumper, Trace misses on a drive, which was actually a decent shot, Race turns the ball over, Al takes a wild shot toward the end of the shot clock, Galloway has a turnover, Hunter misses a three off of one pass after they basically dribbled around for 12 seconds, make one pass to Hunter, who's you know, just in off the bench and takes a three, just these long stretches of play where there seems to be no understanding of the moment, what they want to do. Um, it just seems really strange to me that, that they just go in these, these funks, I guess that, um, you know, in these key moments. And, and to me, I look back at each of those and it was a chance to get momentum and, a, and wasted opportunities, in some cases, multiple wasted opportunities to really pull away from that. And and Ryan, I don't, you know, is that, does that all just go back to guard play in your eyes? Or is there other areas that you'd attribute that to?
1: It goes back to basketball IQ and and knowing time and score,
0: knowing momentum, knowing what you need. And look,
1: here's the thing is that for the rest of the, I mean, after watching tonight, for the rest of the year, two things are going to happen. One, teams are going to throw zone if they run it. They're going to throw 3-2 zone at Indiana and see if they can beat it. Now, Indiana had some success on it in the second half, but they looked really lost. And and quite frankly, Indiana's zone offense have been pretty good this year until this game. Looked terrible the entire first half. Um, The second thing they're going to do is they're going to double the post because Indiana has not proven it can consistently hit three-pointers. Now, they ended up 7-18 of tonight, but they only hit seven. You know, I mean, it's not like they're hitting 10, 12, 13 on a regular basis if they're open. And these are open, open looks. And, and you know, before a couple of late, you know, threes that were fired up, they were in the 40s from three. But again, they only made seven, you know. So if you're 40 percent and you're only making seven, you, you're not feeling that great about about your production there and your efficiency from. it. Um, but Trace Jackson Davis is going to get doubled the rest of the year and and. Indiana has to figure out a way to combat that either with screening to make it so he can't, they tried a little thing by flashing race Thompson into the post at the same time as trace. So they couldn't double because no one's going to double race and race had a couple nice buckets off of it. I think thought took really good advantage of those opportunities, but they need to find more than that. And, and, and that should be priority number one because they are just not recognizing trace Jackson Davis. Let's, let's be honest. Every time down the floor, that guy should get a touch on the ball. Whether he scores or shoots or not, he should have a touch. He had 12 shots tonight. Armand Franklin had 17. Like that should never happen. You know, and I get Armand's on, on a roll and playing well, but he shouldn't outshoot Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, he just shouldn't. I mean, it's it's absurd. He, he, that guy should be getting. If he wants 20 shots a night, he wasn't and Trace wasn't passing up shots. It wasn't like he was getting it and kicking it out to repost. I mean, when he got it, the rare times he got the ball offensively, he was looking to do something with it unless he was 20 feet from the hoop. And that needs to be just drilled into everybody's head. And I realize sometimes you can't get it in the post. I realize the defense does that, but they need to find a way to make it. So it's easier to get him the ball, whatever they do. And I know they've done some dribble handoffs, you know, on the wing and and let him drive in and stuff. That's fine. But you need to find easier ways to get him the ball. And it's just, I mean, Trace Jackson Davis scored 22 and had nine rebounds. And it feels like a lost opportunity to have gotten him 30. He easily could have had 30. There's nobody on Northwestern could guard him. Nobody. And you know, Nance young, all those guys, they can't guard him. And we didn't take advantage of the biggest advantage they had. And that, that's what I think causes the low, because guess what? When you're in a low, go to your best player, just give it to him, and let him work. And, and they just didn't. And they were, you know, doing as you guys both said, passing around the perimeter, not doing anything, get under 10 seconds on the clock, have to pull it out, get a screen. And, you know, the same screening action they have every single time. And then look for a shot. And it just, it never works.
0: Yeah, so I thought one of the other one of the other moments, it was coming out of the under sixteen timeout and in the second half, although I thought they did this pretty consistently after timeouts, and we've seen this throughout the year, but in that one in particular, they really made a concerted effort to get race the ball in the post. Uh, Northwestern was not doubling him uh, and presented some some scoring opportunities for him. And I thought he played really well in that stretch. So we have talked very little about uh, individual players outside of the guards at this point. So, uh, Chris thought maybe that would be a good way to to kind of get your thoughts on on race and his play, particularly in the second half, because he he seemed to sit um, more than I, I remember in most first halves, and it wasn't a result of, uh, of foul trouble.
2: Yeah, it, it was interesting when they kept switching the defense. You know, I when they went back to zone early in the second half, you could kind of see that. You know. When, when Trey was running behind the baseline and, and got open for that second three that we weren't going to see it the rest of the game. But, you know, Trace, like you said, he was able to back down his defender pretty easily and kind of do that little jump hook for at least two or three straight possessions and it was getting very effective. And then they didn't really go to it again, whether that's just because I can't remember. Defense if, if changed. Was, yeah, well, that's true. And then I can't remember if he, they pulled him because I, I, it seemed like Trace and Race were in together for the most of the second half. But, again it's just I come back to the bigger thing is that our offense is so predictable that's the thing that's so frustrating it's been predictable for so many seasons regardless of who the player is whether it's Jawan Morgan or Trace Jackson Davis our best player is a low post player and every single time it's going to be a dump down to a double team you know to our best player and double team and moving the ball around to find the open man. We saw spurts of it in the, in the Butler game and we saw spurts of it tonight. And then the deep, I mean, give credit to Northwestern. Their defense was good tonight. Overall, it was really good. I know the athleticism, you know, we, we should have had <laughs> the ability to be more athletic on the floor than them overall. Um, but their defense was good. It wasn't as if the, you know, they were top 50 adjusted defense coming into this game. So it's not as if they were, you know, slotching on defense, but, I just thought that, you know, Trace has really developed an inside game. He's really gotten more touch around the basket. He had a couple floaters in the first half that dropped as well. Um, but, again, we got two true down-low, you know, post players. And they're not going to be able to play 40 minutes every game. And, again, I, I already mentioned this, and it's not an obvious, but this is where, you know, not having a guy like like Joey Brunk to come in to get some time and take some fouls and, and give some fouls and all that this is a classic example where this is going to hurt us but hopefully you know race can develop more of a one-on-one game if trace is getting you know double down every single time now granted you could see race I, well I, I say this if they're in the ball game together i don't think they're going to double race to then leave Trace open as a lone person that's not going to happen but if he's in that position, he's got to take advantage of it and he's got to convert. And there's one play that I was really irritated about him and, and Jess Settles mentioned it. That he was right under the basket and tried to do that pass along the baseline and then Armand got called for traveling. And you wonder, why did he just go up for it strong and draw a foul and go to the that was one That was the one time I was really upset with why he didn't in his, his ability and try to score. But overall, I, I was happy to see him you know, he hit that three at the top of the key, which we know he's capable of doing—not consistently, but he has been able to do it. Uh, but he's got to take advantage of those one-on-one opportunities when Trace
1: is going to be doubled down every single time.
0: Yeah, Ryan. Any other uh, any other moments for you? On well, the stand Well, You know, that
1: first that first stretch of the second half was i e like, was at its best, and it was the starters. And you know, even though Durham and Finnessy weren't really scoring or anything like that. They were facilitating Trace Jackson Davis to really get him going. And you just wonder where that goes, you know, where for three minutes, they'll play really well and then just fade away. And, and it's, it's frustrating because you see the benefit there. One thing I want to go back to in the first half is I thought they started well. And at that first media timeout, and Archie's been doing this, he changes the lineup every time at that first media timeout. Galloway comes in, Hunter comes in. And that's when Northwestern started to take over the game in the first half. And I'm not saying it's on those two guys. I don't think it was, but you just change the lineup every time at that first time out with two guys. And it's like, I get, you want to reduce the minutes of some guys and all that stuff. But if things are going okay, maybe stick with it a little longer and change it later in the half. Like, you know, it seems like every media timeout, he's got to make that switch. And I, you know, I just feel like, if things are going well, you don't have to change things unless it's, you know, Trace really needs a rest or somebody really needs a break. I just feel like five minutes into the game, you don't need to make a switch there unless things are going poorly.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Some of some Archie's comments are coming out after the game and there's a few of these I, I wanted to kind of run by you. Some of these speak to the, the stats, so it'll be a good segue hopefully, but talked about talked about fatigue being a factor at the end. And I thought that was one area where during that nine-zero run after IU had gone up 54-50, to it had been a pretty long run of play without a whistle. And you could see guys starting to get tired. And I thought Archie was a possession, at least one, maybe too late in taking a timeout. You just saw guys really looking fatigued. And so we talked about guys being fatigued and said a couple different things that don't really jive with one another. Um, taking these from uh, – John Blau and, and Zach Osterman. But, you know, in one in one breath, he said, we're going to have to bite the bullet. We're going to have to play more guys to sustain. Okay. But then he also said, suggested IU needs to slow things down a bit offensively, which is interesting. More deliberate offense could cut both turnovers and fatigue. This is Zach speaking. He, I, he was just saying that, you know, Archie talked about maybe needing to slow things down. W- what's interesting is IU, from a, a tempo standpoint, is already playing pretty slow. I mean, they're 265th yeah. in adjusted tempo right now. And I don't know that more deliberate offense. I mean, I feel like some of these possessions. Well, and sometimes you're spending, the worst you're spending offense three is really quarters deliberate. of the possession just dribbling or passing the ball around the perimeter. I mean, if you charted, and God love anyone who wants to go back and watch this game again, but if you charted possessions where they just didn't get the ball inside the three point line, it really in a position to score. It, yeah, there were it would times be mind boggling. Yeah, where yeah. you get a step in, but like not really putting pressure on the defense, but. So so the tempo thing is interesting. I, I just don't like to me that doesn't that doesn't solve this team's problems because when they played their best at the beginning of the second half, they were forcing turnovers and getting out and running. Uh and and yeah. playing more free and easy and traces running the floor and doing whatever. So I I get that part of it is you can't say, Well, I don't trust a lot of guys on the team, which is essentially what his actions are saying. I don't trust a lot of guys on the team to play. Um, so I don't want to run a, a you know huge up tempo system, but you have to acknowledge at some point like that's how the team has been successful because otherwise the offense is the same slog that we've talked about that Chris talked about that we've just become all too accustomed to at this point. So it's right in now. quicksand.
1: I mean, it's just it's an offense in quicksand, and you know that's happened with several different coaches at Indiana. I know it stands out when you're a fan. You the bad stands out, but it, it just feels like there has been a lack of flow to the offense in a number of years under different coaches at Indiana. And I don't know what it is, but it's just, and, and, and Archie's, you know, had one of the worst culprit been one of the worst culprits of that is there's just times where it gets bought. If your first option isn't there, it just gets bogged down. And the first option now is trace Jackson Davis. Well, Northwestern was overplaying to make sure he didn't get the ball. And so the first option was rarely available and it just felt like okay we'll run through it once all right what do we do now you know and and it's you know you're supposed to have an offense that you run through once and at the end if you don't have anything you're positioned to run a second thing you know you catch the ball on the wing let's say and that's the last option of your run through that offense but the guy on the wing then initiates the next thing whatever it is and they you know it's like you know, playing music and moving it from song to song, it's supposed to flow into the next one. And it just feels like a lot of times that doesn't happen. It feels like a lot of times guys just don't know what to, what they're running. A lot of times they cross half court and don't have a plan and need the coaching staff to like yell it to them and get them in it. And it's just, it just feels like everybody's lost offensively. And then there's times where it flows perfectly and you get what you're supposed to get. And, you know, you, you have options and, you know, it gets down to trace in the high post and he's kicking it. You know, there was a, gr- a beautiful one where off a screen and roll, you got the ball to race in the middle of the floor and he kicked to the corner. And I think it was Galloway who was in the, it was Galloway or, or
0: uh, I think, I think it was, was Armand. I think it was Armand. Oh, it was Armand on the one that I'm one.
1: in the, in the corner for, a, yeah, it was Armand for a perfect three. I think it was and a three like, that
0: gave him the lead the first time. And was it was like
1: just that. like, that was a perfectly designed offensive play. Where has that been? Like, you know, and why, don't you know, and, and it's just, it's frustrating. And yeah, it was Galloway that made the pass. That's right. Um, It's just frustrating because there are moments where this team looks, looks really good and really well-schooled and like everybody's on the same page. And then there are stretches like in that second half where they gave up that nine-on run where those five guys were five individuals on the floor who had no idea what the other four guys were doing. You know, even if they're running the same play, They don't have the instinct for where that guy's, where the guy who they just screened for is going to go, or where the guy who, you know, is setting the ball screen for them is going to turn next so they can get in the ball. I mean, it just felt like there were five strangers on the court, you know? And, and, you know, if you want to run offense like a pickup game, those are the guys you have on the floor. You know, if you want to run offense like a well oiled machine, you need to put guys on the floor who know each other and know what they're doing.
0: All right, so let's go inside the numbers a bit, which is not going to be all that fun. Uh, a couple that stand out to me, one, two-point shooting, re- really for both teams, The three-point shooting was was basically a, a stalemate um, in the game. Northwestern was 7 of 19. IU was 7 of 18. So didn't get outscored from the three-point line, shot it a little bit better. It was really, Northwestern ended up 21 of 31 on twos in the game. Uh, and That's IU, insane. Yeah, IU was 18 of 32 four if my math is correct so a solid percentage either way northwestern nine of 15 in the second half on twos just really and i think some of that speaks to the fatigue toward the end of the game where you just had guys who played almost the entire second half uh and then you're trying to to figure out how to piece it together i mean you had four guys play at least 18 minutes in the second half and and then you had finessey and galloway essentially split the other other minutes here and there and you know, I think that all speak, goes back to that. So that that's one, and, and Chris, you can go hit one or both of these if, if you want. And the other was turnovers, and that ended up the same as well, I believe. Each team had 16 turnovers. That really evened itself up in the second half um, with IU forcing a ton of turnovers uh, from Northwestern. Yeah, Northwestern
1: got a bunch early.
0: Now, the flip really side early. is IU also had nine turnovers in the second half, so it's not like they did a, a particularly good job there. Galloway had four, TJD had five, Franklin had three, uh, Race had a couple, one each from, from Durham and Tennessee. Uh That continues to be a focal point of what Archie has talked about, uh, and he even made comments after the game saying, you know, these are the same kinds of turnovers, that's on me, you know, we're doing making the same mistakes. Echoing a lot of what everybody is is saying, but at some point – Uh, you got to turn from acknowledgement to actually uh, fixing the issue. So Chris, I don't know if either of those stats, uh, you know, kind of strike you particularly, or if there were other things that you see as you look through the stat sheet that jumped out to you.
2: Well, the, the turnover thing again, RT. what his goal is obviously around 10 to 12 turnovers. And obviously if you get 16, your chances of winning are obviously going to be much less, but we just try. There were so many situations where we tried to force the same pass that's not there. Especially if the defense is collapsing into the paint every single time, the passes are not there. The over the top was not working. There was just there was, and, and again, there was a few, so many times where we were just literally like telegraphing the passes. It wasn't yeah. even. I screamed. I screamed. Can
0: I get a ball fake at the TV, like as loud as I could, on more than one occasion?
2: It's like it's it's coming to you. Here we go. You know, it's like one of those. (laughs) So many
1: deflections. Like, and I'll say this about Armand. I think that's the last part of his game that needs to be rounded out. Is he throws a lot of soft passes to the guys on the wing, and and a lot of them get deflected. And it's okay. You know, he needs to work on that. He's a sophomore, but when it happens nine or ten times in the game, like. Throw yeah. a solid chest pass, please. Yeah. Well, you know, so that
2: that's the big one because obviously Northwestern converted so much of those, especially in the first half, some easy buckets in a transition. But the, the, the other thing that gets me again is only 16 attempts at the foul line. Trace only had six attempts at the foul line, four of six, missed a bunch early, but we're 10 to 16. We barely eclipsed 60%. Again, This is a team that is supposed to be getting to the foul line and converting foul shots. And clearly, you know, and again, we it wasn't as if they weren't calling fouls against Northwestern. They had two guys with four fouls at the end of the game and one with three. So we were getting, you know, we were getting opportunities. But, you know, we started out two of seven to start the game. Well, that's five points we should have. Trace was missing them, you know. And again, I forget who else was. It may have Durham. been Rob and, Al- and Durham, Durham. Yeah, exactly. Who's supposed to be our clutch free throw shooter. And really, it should be Missed Trace. Who first I first two, best. yeah. Yeah. But, but those are the two things. Again, if we are not getting to the foul line, our chances of winning are instantly going to be cut in half because the, the the shooting is not there. You know, even if, you know, seven three-pointers, okay, you know, it's what, 30, it was like 38%, 39%. Yeah. But, you, you know, it comes down to this. The two guys that you should be, I'm going to leave it at this, the two guys that you should be expecting to be commanding the floor and putting points up on the board are Al and Rob. And it's not happening. And those two guys are supposed to be the leaders of the floor, and it's not happening. And Trace can't do it all. And we know this, it's so obvious, but he can't. And he's going to get run into the ground with, you know, by the halfway through the big 10 season, if he's going to have to do everything, it's, it's going to have to come to a point where you're going to have to go be beyond six players. We keep hearing about the trust in the freshmen. The freshmen are almost there. Well, clearly they're not because Lander nor Geronimo saw the floor. You know, we've already talked about Lander. It's just, if, if something's not working, you got to try something else because clearly, you know, Archie's going, it's on me. It's on me. It's on me. I get that, but something has got to change. We've got to get to the foul line. That's to me, the biggest thing is, is tonight
1: is, the free throw attempts needed to be much higher. Yeah, I one stat that just stood out to me was, well, they I, you know, in a game where they didn't play well, quite frankly, they out rebounded Northwestern. I thought the effort on the boards was actually really good. And, you know, there was the one one point where they were trying to be so aggressive on the boards that Trace Jackson Davis and Durham fought each other for a rebound and it went out of bounds and went to Northwestern, which is embarrassing. But you appreciate the effort and that effort hadn't been there in some games where guys are literally fighting for rebounds. Uh, but I think that at least they showed something there. Uh, what I would say is I think if you're looking at what was potential, what, like what could have potentially been good in the second half, they shot 51.9% from the field, shot four of eight from three and were seven of eight from the free throw line. They should have won this game. Like the second half alone. I mean, you, you, you dig yourself in a hole in the first half, you score 39 points in 20 minutes and shoot over 50% shoot 50% from three, shoot 87.1% from the free throw line, you should win that game. The problem is, is that they just didn't get enough good shots off late. And and so it was like that, and we know that happened. So think about how well they were playing early in the first half and the fact that they couldn't sustain it. Yeah, fatigue's probably an issue, but also, you know, and, and that probably leads to a lack of focus and to slowing down and all that. So guess what? Archie's got to play more guys. I mean, I think you're right, Chris, that at some point, The that he's just got to play more people. I mean, you don't have Joey Brunk. You're not going to have him. So you got to trust somebody else in the post. And I know you don't have a pure post player. Maybe you go with some five outsets on the perimeter and maybe flash or split up the time that Thompson and and Jackson Davis are on the floor together. Give them some time off where it's just one of those guys on the floor. I mean, they're two of your best three players right now, so it's hard to do that. But maybe you put Leal in there as a fourth perimeter guy and then use Thompson in the middle and then swap him out for TJD. I mean, I don't know what you do, but you've got to do something because if it's fatigue and it's because these guys played really hard in the beginning of the second half to get the lead and, you know, come back in the game and they get the lead, but they're burned out at the end. Well, then it doesn't even matter that you came back. If you can't finish the game, you know, you might as well just packed it in if they don't have enough energy to finish the game because you're wasting it early to try and get back into it. So I agree with you. I think you're just going to have to start throwing more bodies out there. Give Geronimo a few minutes here, you know, try and steal minutes with these guys just to give more rest. If it's truly about fatigue, if it's about the fact that your team can't focus and can't play offensively, you've got a whole other host of different problems. But if it truly is about fatigue and that's, you know, given the amount of minutes, some of these guys have played early on, maybe that's the truth. Well, then the only solution is to play more guys. It's the only solution. I mean, you know, give Al Durham a seat so he's not playing 36 minutes. Heck, put Cooper Bybee out there and space the floor and let him shoot some threes. Like, I, I, I'm I, honestly, if you're not going to play Leal, if he's not ready, put somebody out there who can do something that at least causes a threat to the defense. I, you know, it's I just I just think you have to make some kind of decision here and and, and you can't keep going the way you're going if it's going to be like this.
0: Yeah, I think two other stats and then we'll we'll break because this has been a, a long one already. Um, you know, in addition to the turnovers, only 11 assists on 25 made field goals. That was the exact opposite of what we saw in the Butler game when so many of the made field goals were assisted upon. I think it speaks to the challenges uh, offensively and how much was having to be done uh, in a more one on one fashion versus in the flow of the offense. And and the other, you know, again, it, it goes back a bit to the the turnover percentage 25 you know, percent. Um turnover rate, at least according to the to box score that I'm looking at. I mean, this team is not good enough offensively. Uh, m- most teams are not good enough offensively to be able to turn the ball over on a quarter of the possessions, and and expect to be able to to get themselves in a position to win the basketball game. And and they were in it down the stretch in spite of those things, but you know, just just wasn't enough. And overall aggressiveness, two blocks, seven steals. When when I use played best, those numbers have been. Uh, have been really high it speaks to the activity level and and those kinds of things so uh to me now of... northwestern
1: running some good offense and not putting themselves in bad situations i think too yeah i mean credit to them so
0: yeah i would agree i mean Odish, especially down the stretch um had not really he didn't do anything in the first half and i think all seventeen of his points came in the second half he made some really tough shots down the stretch so some of that's just one on one making plays but uh but yeah so all right well that'll that'll do it for the numbers that was moderately depressing Uh, when we come back we will uh, we'll talk through uh, we'll hand out our game ball hit any other lingering storylines and look ahead to the next opponent then it'll be time for last call that's all next here on the assembly call stick with us
3: sticky notes email alerts a string around your finger
1: Hey, it's Romeo Langford. What's the only thing better than hand a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on Assembly Call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers.
0: And welcome back. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have already subscribed. You can just text IU to 66866 to subscribe. Uh, Again, that's IU to 66866. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and Chris Williams, and we are breaking down IU's 74-67 Big Ten opening loss to Northwestern. And now it's time for Game Balls. This will be uh, the easiest segment of the show, which is probably good given how long we've already been on and the the time that I'm looking down at on the computer now. So uh, I, since I can only assume that it's going to be uh, Trace, this is probably a good chance to at least get a few comments in on him uh, as we go around the horn because we've talked about him uh, and a few of these pieces in passing, but uh, certainly jump in if there are any plays or, or things like that that stuck out. Chris, I'll, I'll throw it to you first.
2: Yeah, I think to me, he's the only one that consistently has the body language that wants to be the guy that gets the team motivated game in and game out. He's the guy that I mean, he we know he's the emotional leader, but. So much tonight. He was the only guy that really was sparking any kind of momentum for us to kind of get him back in the game. And you can saw those transition dunks. That you know his aggressive play. You know his defense. That was all there. I mean, what more can you say? I mean, he's the guy that game in and game out. We need, <laughs> and unfortunately, everybody's piling on his back right now because of everything we've already talked about. So it's no surprise that you know. He played as well as he did, but I also am concerned by the fact that early in the game he wasn't getting nearly enough touches. But again, Northwestern's defense was collapsing on that. But again, um, he played really well. I mean, he had almost a double double. I think he had what was it twenty two and nine. So another really good performance, and and without question, he's our emotional leader. But again, my big concern moving forward is that he's just going to hit flat because I just I looked at it. Like, comment that Archie made about fatigue and we were talking about this earlier about (laughs) ironically having to play more players we can't have a guy like that being just coming out flat in big games so I think that again when we continue to need somebody like Trace to step up he does game in and game out but um, somebody else has got to help him out there and again I'm speaking preaching to the choir with that so
0: yeah Ryan uh, thoughts on TJD
1: uh, yeah. He's a game ball guy. I mean, he's, he's the one who just pretty much every game shows up and, you know, delivers and, and, you know, tonight it was, it was interesting because he only had four defensive rebounds. He had five offensive rebounds. He was just, he was working. He was doing the work. Problem is they couldn't get him the ball enough and you could see at the beginning of the second half, or I guess it was the end of the first half. He, you know, scored and got fouled and, and yelled, just give me the, Ball. I don't know if there was an expletive thrown in there. We couldn't see it. We couldn't hear it. But you know, I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna say yes. I believe there. Yeah, right. I,
1: I I think so. You know, giving him the benefit of the doubt that maybe you know he doesn't have to put it all in a swear jar. But um, I you know he just he is the 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 planet this team orbits around. You know what I mean? And 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 whatever he's doing, and and that's why you know you go off on the rant about. Get him the ball. Do whatever you can. Set up stuff for every possible contingency that when you're down and when you need a basket, you can get him the ball every time. Because more often than not, it's going to go in. And more often than not, and, and if it doesn't, he's probably getting fouled. So yeah, he's he's the best player on the floor. He's one of the best players in America.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me. And I mentioned this earlier, he did a lot of work just getting the ball at the elbow and trying to drive a bit more because he was having trouble getting the ball in the post. But um, he's he's the clear choice for this. And he's also the guy he came out after the game and said he was a little bit sluggish to start or kind of letting his emotions get the best of him, which I thought was a little bit odd. I thought he was, you know, pretty dialed in. To the game uh, early on but you know maybe on a, a second watch maybe I would feel differently but he he's also consistently the guy to go out and stand in front of everybody and take accountability for what's going on on the team and you know just another way to to, to, to underscore his leadership Challenge is he can't get himself the ball and even on a night when he had 22 and nine you wonder what a few more possessions that ran through him might have done uh, in a game that was you know a one-two possession game down the stretch um, so you know, plenty of good things to say about him just need more guys to consistently show up with the mindset that he has um, coming out there not that they're going to be him not that they can score like he can all those things but just the the desire to go and compete on a night in night out basis is something that is not being seen from uh, enough guys on the team and I think that you know, speaks to some of the depth questions uh, I don't know what the rules are about the uh, the Mike Roberts Real Hustle Award on a game like this. Uh, I, 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 we might as well. Uh, we can we can certainly hand it out. I think there's probably a a reasonably obvious choice for this one as well. So, Ryan, I'll throw that to you first.
1: Uh, I'm actually going off the board. To give it to Trey Galloway just for playing hard the entire time. His his numbers didn't turn out that well. He did hit those two threes, but other than that, he he didn't really he wasn't really a numbers guy tonight, but I just thought that he played hard the entire time he was in there. He got driven on, he didn't play great defense sometimes, but he just, he offensively, he was like Armand Franklin was really, was willing to cut and do things. And you could give it to Franklin for his defense. I, I think I'm grading on a curve here a little bit, but Galloway at least like, looks like he's got energy out there all the time. And if we're going with a hustle award, I, th- I think he did play hard and, uh, you know, tried to do some things and was willing to mix it up a bit where, the guys, the other guys on the perimeter, he may, you know, and, and in a normal game where the other guys are, are are playing well, it may not, he his his contributions may not have stood out as much as they did, but against the guys he was standing across from,
0: he was really working hard. Chris, what about you on this one?
2: Yeah, I got to go with Trey as well. I mean, I think he forced some things a couple times with, with passing with those four turnovers, turnovers, but he, he's, he's got this ability on the floor to create a lot of problems you know, for the defense, and he he moves so well, he's so quick. Um, I think a couple of times he kind of got beat off the dribble defensively, but I think he does so much in space for this team, and he he can continue to, to develop that, and there's a reason why he's on the floor, and there's a reason why people were talking him up coming into the season, but, you know, hitting those two threes, those were clutch, and I think that, you know, he's not known as being a great shooter, especially with his release kind of you know, needing to get a little bit quicker, but I was really happy to see him kind of step in and, and, you know, he's going to be relied upon a lot down the road in the next several games. And I just hope that he doesn't hit a wall. Like we've seen so many times with freshmen coming in, but uh, all in all, I was really happy with what he contributed tonight.
0: Yeah. I was actually thinking race for this one. Uh, although Trey was another guy that I had uh, in mind, certainly. I thought race's second half was really good. We touched on that. Trey, I, I agree with you. Thoughts on Trey. He, he was, really up and down, which I think is what you'd expect from a freshman and certainly one from where he was, was rated, made some really nice passes. He did have three assists really essentially had a fourth because he had a a nice pass that he threaded through to race Thompson before he got, when he got fouled and made the free throws. So, you know, if you want to consider that he had four assists, did have the four turnovers, he fell victim to some of those deflections and really trying to get, you know, ball fakes before making post entries. And, uh, and different things like that. But he stands out on this team, Ryan, like you said, particularly on a night like tonight because he is a guy who's willing to drive the ball into the teeth of the defense and try to make a play for somebody else. He didn't take any other shots beside those couple threes. Um, and he struggled a little bit to finish around the basket against some of the better competition that I used played. But he's putting pressure on the defense. And I don't – ultimately, that shouldn't stand out. But on this team right now, it does. And he and Armand are really the guys that have the ball in their hands – a decent amount that are the ones who are putting pressure on the defense. They're also the ones making some of the mistakes, uh, from a turnover perspective. But if you can find a way to rein that in, I think that is a skill that is really lacking on this team. Just that aggressiveness that he has. So I will, uh, I will, I will move off of, of race and, uh, and go with the majority and, and give that one to Trey Galloway. And I think that was, uh, was deserved for sure. All right. We are, deep into the postgame game show, I think we've beaten uh, most of the storylines into the ground at this point. Uh, and so, quick note, we will not have a show uh, on Thursday, no Assembly Call Radio, although I guess technically as it's now 12.01, this could count as a Thursday show. Uh, We've more than made up with that. I think we may have packed two shows. In that's, this. One, so. uh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, so no Assembly Call Radio on Christmas Eve. We will be back to do the postgame show. Next game for IU is uh, Saturday at Illinois, which is a 4 p.m. tip. I believe it will be me and Jared uh, at this point, so uh, we'll we'll figure out who's going to be with here. That one, guys. Yeah, should be uh, exactly where you want to go after dropping a home game to Northwestern is to uh, hit the road and uh, and play Illinois. Although they've struggled a bit this year and even struggled with Penn State uh, for the first half uh, tonight, so we'll be we'll be back for that one. They they have you know dropped a few games uh, early on, but I think still viewed as one of the top teams in the in the Big Ten. And for a team that that Archie Miller talked about in in IU really having trouble containing the dribble tonight, uh, not sure that is the place you want to be and the team that you want to be facing with the Io DeSoon Moon company. So we'll see if IU can bounce back uh, at Illinois on Saturday, and we'll be here with the postgame show. As always, uh, so remember uh, to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel to get the perfect gift for the college sports fan in your life. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. And guys, it's now time for last call. last call. Any final thoughts on the game? And uh, Chris, we will throw it to you first.
2: I just think that this is, you know, we're kind of at a similar period that we've seen in the last couple of years where this team's got to kind of find an, an identity. Um, I think that individually the players, you know, you know, Armand's stepping up and, and playing really well this year and, and obviously Trace is Trace, but this team has got to figure something out. And I think we've beat a dead horse on what that is and we can continue to talk about it over and over again but something's going to have to happen where this team figures out an identity moving forward and has more of a passion to play because that's the biggest thing I think is that outside of a couple individual players this team collectively does not have the passion to want to play for the team that's on the front of their jersey and I'm just going to leave it at that
0: all right, Ryan, you got any ranting left in you? You've still, I mean, it's it's only nine o'clock in your time zone, so you may still have a bit a more energy than though, Chris and I. So oh, never mind, then you're I'm, done. Okay, I'm starting
1: good. to come back around to being <laughs> salty again, but it, for different reasons.
0: All right, we'll try to keep uh, it short then, so we don't we don't go back to a, a bad place for you. There,
1: yeah. I, look, it, this is on the this is on Archie, and it's on the guards, and, and they have to figure it out because everybody, because other people came to play. I thought Trace Jackson Davis came to play. I thought Ray Thompson came to play. Uh, Trey Galloway played well. I thought Armand Franklin made some poor decisions, but I think he came to play. But your veteran guards, your captains who are guards did not come to play and they need to be better. I mean, it's on them. It's how do they want that? You know, their senior and junior seasons to look it's, it's on them. They need to step up. They need to focus and they need to realize what the problems are and, and, and solve them. And it's, and, and, then again, you go to Archie and Archie has to recognize when those guys aren't playing well, I recruited these guys on this bench for a reason. They need to play. And, and whether that's Christian Lander, whether that's you know giving Geronimo some more minutes, whether that's Anthony Leo coming in, whether that's you know more Trey Galloway, whatever it is, uh, he, he needs to put more guys in if those guys aren't playing well. If those guys aren't living up to their commitment and, and, and ability, then he needs to put them on the bench and say, This is what happens when you don't, you know, to push them to be better because they can be better and we've seen them better. Uh, But, you know, as long as they're not, Indiana's going to get dragged down. You you rely so much on that leadership. And when it doesn't show up, it's bad news. It's bad news and and it needs to get better. And this is a game Indiana 100% should have won even after a bad start should have won.
0: Yeah, I think what you said is is key we know that al and rob are capable of more than what they showed on a night like tonight um because we have in the same way that we're frustrated for having watched them play for a handful of years we've also seen them play better but this team does not have the depth to go through games like they did tonight and get performances like that because there's no There's really no safety net. The way the roster is being used, there's no safety net to to figure that out, to fix those problems. So at some point, you have to change one way or the other. You're either going to live with the performances like this that you're getting with those guys as he kind of tried to do tonight, or you're going to have to make some changes. And you're not going to find a comfortable time to work some of these guys into game action, unfortunately. This season isn't going to allow for that. This league isn't going to allow for that. But at some point, you've got to give other guys a chance because to 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 go through and watch the same thing, and even from Archie's standpoint, to go sit there after the game and say, "Hey, these are the same kinds of turnovers, these are the same kinds of performances that have been plaguing us over the last few years." You're, I just struggle to to watch the progression of what you think this should be, and in year four be watching performances like this against a team that you should beat that was picked to finish toward the bottom of the league, even though they may be better than that, this is a game that you need to be able to show up and win and play with some passion at home and show it. And it just wasn't there for really long stretches of this game. And it seemed like they might get by with it again when they really turned it on coming out of the half. Um, but again, the fatigue, really did him in down the stretch and that night that key nine-zero run it wasn't there down the stretch Northwestern made almost every shot uh as you got guys that are tired that have played the whole half you're know, trying to to bring everybody back and um it'll be really interesting to see no one is expecting a win at Illinois at, at this point and nor should you based on what we've seen but I think there will be interesting things to watch in that game to figure out does anything really change with the rotation Uh what what you know, what kind of mindset do these guys come back with, especially day after Christmas, stay in there for the holidays. uh, All all those kinds of things will be interesting to watch. And um, I tell you, you you try not to get caught up too much in the moment of watching this game, but it's hard to walk away from this game and not have the, here we go again, feeling this is going to be another season, just like the last few that we've already seen. And that's pretty frustrating for a season that we felt like had a lot of promise Uh, to start and maybe that's an overreaction and it'll prove to be an overreaction, but uh, a really tough way to, uh, to start big 10 play and a really disappointing performance uh, overall. So Uh, with that, all that being said, we do want to take a second here and uh, wish everybody a Merry Christmas. It's a kind of a hard left turn from uh being wholly disappointed about the game, (laughs) but um, but we definitely uh have appreciated everyone's uh everyone's support and hope that everybody can uh, have a safe and uh, and happy holiday and and uh, from all of us here, Merry Christmas to you and your families and uh, stay safe and. Uh, we will talk to everybody again on Saturday afternoon after the uh, IU Illinois game. So with that, I will uh, will send us out here. Uh, we'll uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com/assemblycall, and don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to six six eight six six to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to longtime listener Bob Thompson, who produced much of the music you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you on Saturday after the Illinois game. Until then... Take it from me, Yogi Ferrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out.
1: All right, I gotta get out of here, folks. Thank you.
2: Whew.
0: All righty.: well, You guys want to
2: see something interesting? is going Priller's cutting people up on Twitter. It's pretty good.
0: <laughs> nice.
2: He's basically saying you're definitely my next joke, you know, welcome coach. And then the guy who's giving him shit is pretty funny. So nice. it's, it's a good read if you want something to look at. So
0: nice. Oh,
2: fun.
3: Uh, and then somebody
2: goes, uh, I think it was about wasted, you know, stop being, you know, it's like something about you're just, you're just a tall waste of a scholarship or something. Oh really boy, bad, you know. Well, I'm sure he's never heard that one before.
0: So. Oh, I'm I'm sure. But no um, oh,
2: man, it's the same. You know, we seen it. We've seen it. You know, every year, the the fan base. It's it's a it's a tough it's a tough time to be an IU fan. That's for sure. Thank God, football's good. So
0: well, I think uh, you know I. I think this has come up on a assembly call radio and like what, what does, what Tom Allen is doing, how does that impact Archie Miller? And, uh, it, yeah, this is a, it, it, like I said, it's just tough to hear the same stuff after the game. It's tough to, tough to just see guys not playing at all. Um, when you got guys who are clearly gassed and or not performing. Um, and I think, You know, at some point you got to figure that out. And the other part of that goes back to, you know, I don't know what the other options were of who else you could have brought in. They certainly went after other players, but like you chose to ride it out with 11 scholarship guys. And at that point, your margin for error is real thin. So you lose Brunk, you're down to 10, and you're basically forced in a position where you better figure out some of these freshmen that can play because you don't have anybody else. But that's, again, that's part of you as the coach, like trying to figure that out. So... It's, uh, there is a Dawson
1: Garcia sized hole on this roster right now. Like having like a guy who could mix it up, and play in, play in. Yeah, you know those there spots. is a little bit, but
0: I mean, if you well, I mean with, with Joey plaguing, gone, I mean yeah, 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 yeah. with Joey gone. But but if you're looking at, but yeah, no, there are guards that they missed. Yeah, but off. if you're looking at what's really plaguing this team right now, Kinyones you, would be a star here right now. You'd pick I mean, somebody else over, yeah. So I, yeah. Oh well. Water All under right, the bridge. What are we going to do? Something. It's 12:11, so go get some Logan dinner, Ryan. Ryan. All right. Merry Christmas you guys, guys too. Merry Christmas yeah, fellas. Too. Chris, thanks for joining yeah. us as always. Chat really mobs. Enjoy buddy. A, uh hopefully your your holidays are better than this game was tonight and we'll talk to everybody again on Sunday or Saturday. Yeah, take care. All right. Take care, guys.
3: Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery.